On the Reconciling Marriages with Coach Jack podcast, Christian psychologist, author, and relationship coach, Dr. Jack Ito, will help you to build and restore your marriage. By learning just a few relationship skills, you can help your spouse enjoy your relationship more while getting more love and affection from your spouse. Listen to Coach Jack as he helps you with one more step toward a marriage both you and your spouse will love. Many people have conflict with their spouse when they try to talk about money or their financial issues. I want to give you some examples of how you can talk about money with your spouse without it degrading into an argument. To do that, you need to consider not only the logic of the situation and what is important to your finances, but you also have to consider your spouse's emotions. If you are having conflict in any area of your life, you may be carrying over the same kind of principle into other areas. That is, you might be trying to talk to your spouse simply by using reasoning without talking in a way that helps your spouse to feel validated and to enjoy talking with you, even though the situation may be a difficult one. The answer to financial problems is often simple, but talking to your spouse about it might be difficult. First, Let's consider the simple answer to financial problems. Increase your income and decrease your expenses until you have a balanced budget. Like most things in life, the answers are simple. The application is where the difficulty comes in. Now, on your own, increasing income and decreasing expenses is totally under your control. On your own, that would be an easier thing to do than doing it together with your spouse No one would give you any grief about your choices doing it on your own. You wouldn't need to worry about someone else's values. And you would be responsible for your income and your expenses. There would be no opportunity for resentment to build either on your end for how your money is being used and on their end for ways that they might feel restricted in either spending or saving. Working together with your spouse on your finances would be just as easy as working alone if you and your spouse were on exactly the same page. That's not true, however, if you and your spouse have different values regarding how to use money. The bigger your differences, the more distant your relationship will become when you talk about those differences. These differences will be most obvious and most damaging during times of financial hardship. But it doesn't have to be that way. Consider this question. My spouse has terrible ideas about using our money. How should I react? This is how I would answer that question if you have this kind of question yourself. If you immediately oppose your husband or your wife, then it might help to curb expenses, especially if you come on with power or intimidation. But that's really going to present a cost to your relationship. Those costs will increase over time and they may ultimately severely damage your relationship. Now, you can handle your spouse's ideas in a way that protects the finances while also preserving your marriage. The problem most people have is that they try to jump directly into a logical discussion about finances. That can very easily make a spouse defensive and short-circuit the discussion. Just because you have an idea that makes perfect sense doesn't mean that you immediately just come out and present your perfect sense idea. 
In order to discuss financial problems, it's much easier and more effective to use a two-step approach. It might seem longer to do things this way, but because it resolves problems, it's actually much faster. So think connection first, not logic first. What your spouse is saying may indeed be terrible, stupid, harmful, foolish, or whatever. But forcefully pointing that out to your spouse is not going to help. That would just cause fighting, distancing, and disconnection. Consider this dialogue. Spouse one, it really doesn't matter whether this is a man or a woman. Spouse one says, I think we should withdraw some of our retirement money and take a trip around the world. Spouse two reacts to that. Spouse two says, what? Are you nuts? Then what are we supposed to do when we retire? Eat our souvenirs and live off of our memories? Now, spouse two may be entirely correct in what he or she is saying when reacting this way. But this kind of a directly oppositional approach just causes conflict and solves nothing. So how can you make a connection when your spouse says such things? Well, you need to consider everything has both good and bad aspects. If you don't consider that, you are going to have arguments with anyone who is different from you, and that means everyone, because no one is exactly like you, and there is no way you would ever find a spouse who is exactly like you. So, if you want to learn how to have good relationships, you need to learn that everything has both good and bad aspects. By agreeing with those aspects that are true, you can make a connection with your spouse by providing validation around those aspects. In turn, this will help him or her to also consider your truths. A shift is required from initially reasoning to initially listening and agreeing. Even when you have a great idea you want to present to your spouse, the main thing you are going to be doing first is listening and agreeing. Consider this following conversation. Spouse one says, I think we should withdraw some of our retirement money and take a trip around the world. Same as in the first discussion. But this time, spouse two reacts differently. Spouse two says, hmm, a world trip. What made you think of that? So spouse two here is using curiosity listening. Spouse one says, I'm bored. We don't do anything together anymore. Spouse two then goes on to say, well, a world trip sure would liven things up. And it might be a lot of fun. As you can imagine, this conversation is off to a much better start than the previous one, where spouse one was ridiculed. Even though spouse one's idea might not be practical in any way at all, there's no reason that you've got to have instant conflict about that. Some people say, well, isn't agreeing with a harmful idea harmful? The agreement in this example isn't actually with the harmful aspects of the idea. In the example, spouse two is not agreeing to do a thing. And talking about an idea is not the same as putting it into action. Counselors have been using this method for decades to connect with their clients 
before persuading them to take healthier actions. Instead of getting freaked out when the client comes up with a terrible idea, the counselor asks simply how it would help and then agrees with those things. As a result, clients feel listened to and understood. Then they're more open to hearing what the therapist has to say about it. If the therapist simply said, that's crazy, the client would walk out the door and never come back. Therapists know that to really help clients make good decisions, they need to maintain a good relationship with them. That's certainly true in your marriage as well. Only after agreement and connection comes problem solving. I want to give you an example of a problem solving dialogue. Now, the essence of problem solving is coming to a decision together rather than one person being autocratic about it. Autocratic behavior in a marriage is destructive. Instead of being autocratic, simply let the information guide both of you, even though you may already know what the end result is going to be. So let's continue this conversation and see how problem solving might fit in. Spouse one goes on to say, so how much money shall we withdraw for our world trip? You can see here spouse one is now taking the idea into the realm of action. So what does spouse two do at this point, knowing that it's not a good idea? Well, spouse two is not going to just say, well, that's a bad idea. What does spouse two say? Spouse two says, let's take a look at the information so we can make a good decision about it. Yes, spouse two does this even thinking or knowing they're not going to be able to make that world trip. Coming to that instant conclusion, not a good idea. He or she says, let's take a look at the information. Then what happens? Well, the couple sit down and look at all the facts, including the cost of a world trip and how much it would impact their savings, the tax penalties, other kinds of life realities. They kind of discover that together even though maybe spouse two knew it all along. And then once they see how much it cost and what other sacrifices they would have to make, spouse one then goes on to say, maybe a world trip isn't such a good idea. What does spouse two do? Well, the same as before. Agrees. Spouse two says, I think you're right, but we can still think up some other ways to have fun. So you can see spouse two is still trying to help spouse one get what he or she wants, maybe just not with that original idea. Although it takes a little more time to make financial decisions this way, it keeps you and your spouse connected through the entire process. You can use the same format for talking about any ideas that your spouse has. Let's consider another question someone might ask me. Someone asked me, we made a budget, but my spouse won't follow it. What should I do? So here is a person who perhaps did problem solving with their spouse and they created a budget together, but then the spouse just won't follow through. That's a common situation. You may have a variation of your spouse's failure to follow through with any plan that you make together, financial or not. Communication skills that apply in one area apply in other areas as well. When I help clients learn how to make plans with their spouse about anything, I always introduce the idea of making a backup plan, a plan B, 
Having a backup plan encourages people to stick with the first plan and also gives them recourse if the first plan is not working for any reason, including the other person not following through. If your backup plan is to put a freeze on all discretionary spending if the budget is not working, your spouse might be more inclined to follow the budget. Let's look at some other examples of backup plans for financial problems in marriage. Your backup plan could be any number of different possibilities, including having a third party manage the bills and give you both allowances, attending a support group for overspenders, getting financial coaching, attending marital counseling, or even having a marital separation if the situation was severe enough. These ideas would likely be less desirable to your spouse and would help him or her to follow plan A. And having a plan A and B can go a long way to prevent you from feeling stuck. What about for the person who didn't make a backup plan and now is in a financial mess? What can they do? Well, since they did not have a backup plan, at this point, they could try to restart the problem solving and make new plans, including a backup plan. If you do this, be sure not to be critical of your spouse's failure to follow through on the last plan. If you do, then he or she is unlikely to do any problem solving with you. If your spouse refuses to do problem solving with you, the main problem has become one of communication and relationship. The financial problem is only a symptom of that and may also be an early warning sign for your spouse divorcing you. Remember, big problems grow from little problems. Big trees from acorns grow. Work on your relationship first. Work on your financial problems second. Every problem in your relationship will be more easily resolved if you put your relationship before the problem, make sure that is going well, then go on to work on the problem. What do you do if your spouse refuses to follow through on any plan? Are you stuck then? Well, if you have done all you can to build your connection with your spouse and then to work on your financial problems cooperatively, then you may feel stuck. Getting unstuck will mean either getting help with building a better connection with your spouse or creating some plans that do not depend on your spouse's cooperation. Such plans are called boundaries and are completely under your control. In my book, What to Do When He Won't Change, I lay out a three-step approach for women with uncooperative or selfish husbands, which is geared toward improving their relationships. This happens mainly with a combination of good connection plus good boundaries. And that's true for men as well as women. Either one of these things alone cannot create change. That is, you cannot create change simply with good connection. And you cannot create change simply with good boundaries. You need to have a relationship which includes both good connection and good boundaries for the relationship to be strong and healthy. Someone might ask, especially since I am a relationship coach, how can relationship coaching help with a financial problem? By now, you probably know the answer. If your relationship is otherwise good and your problem is limited to finances, then getting financial counseling makes more sense than getting relationship coaching. However, 
Many people with financial problems have many conflicts and difficulty communicating. Because of this, it's hard to communicate on their finances even after they get financial consulting. Without some repair and strengthening of the relationship, the relationship may continue to fail. Financial problems in marriage often contribute to separation and divorce, but the inability to work together on the financial problems is more likely to be the deciding factor on what happens to the relationship. Thank you for listening to Reconciling Marriages with Coach Jack. Visit CoachJackIto.com to learn more skills for reconnecting with your spouse and restoring your marriage.